Well, howdy, everybody. Welcome to Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number 51. Out the window of my little room over the garage, I can't see anybody, which is perfect because I love to be alone. In part, I've just always loved solitude, but I'm also very shy. Uh, I'm about to perform in public again for the first time in a while, and I've been asked a couple of times in the past week how I can claim to be shy and still get up in front of crowds, and I'll say more about that in the Roughneck Reflection. But first of all, a passage from Truck, a love story that nibbles around the edges of the shy performer paradox. So it start, this section starts out with me talking about my brother folk dancing with the woman he met who would eventually become his wife, and, and I just talked about our self-consciousness when it comes to dancing and doing things in public. He and I come from a long line of Scandinavian Stoics. In most social settings, we are, if not shy, determinedly reticent. Our guiding precept is, I don't want to talk about my feelings, and you can't make me. My tears have loosened a bit with age, and I can be grumpy and scowly and, as my mother used to say, a little snippy. But in general, I am pathologically self-contained. Writing-wise, I share things on the page that would mortify me if they came up in casual conversation, but these seizures of self-disclosure are triggered by the imminence of tongue-loosening deadlines and vertiginous health insurance premiums and should therefore not be confused with me at the post office, where I tend to study my boots and mumble. Would that it ended there. In the world of the certifiable Stoic, the repression of emotion is just the more obvious half of the battle. The rest of your time is consumed with masking even the appearance of the existence of desire. Anyone can hold back a tear or dodge a hug. It takes a real hardcore Norwegian bachelor to pretend you don't want a cookie. If I were commissioned to design the official crest for the descendants of emotionally muzzled Vikings everywhere, I would begin by looking up the Latin phrase for, No thanks, I'm fine. This outgrowth of the neurosis turns the simplest trip to the grocery store into a pulsating gauntlet of dread. Shopping for staples seems benign enough, but when you present your basket at that counter, you're revealing something deeply personal about yourself. You are approaching a stranger and saying, in public, this is what I desire. And not only that, but this is what I desire to put inside me. If you are buying a battery cable or a snow shovel at Farm and Fleet, there's no shame. These are exogenous needs. Gotta start the car, gotta clear the sidewalk. But with food, there are distressing elements of psychosexuality in play. Appetites, hungering, orality, gimme Twinkies, or me buying zebra cakes, coupled with the implication that if you ingest, you must surely excrete, and this is not a place the Stoic wants to, um, go. Furthermore, one risks public exposure by checkout clerks who take it upon themselves to deliver unsolicited color commentary on the contents of your cart. I recently skulked through the IGA to snag a box of roasted chicken when I should have been cooking at home, and at the register the lady said, Mmm, that smells good, and right she was, but I immediately felt as if I was standing there in my underwear. The same thing happened when I tried to unobtrusively purchase a transparent plastic clamshell of chicken tenders during a late-night road trip. Ooh, said the young lady running the register, I like those reheated. Frankly, I didn't know what to think. 
but I did get vaguely sweaty. Sometimes it's cumulative, like water torture. Last fall, I got the urge for boiled dinner, which I associate fondly with crisp air and my mother's cast-iron wood stove. As I riffled through my checkbook, the play-by-play commenced. Celery! Yum! My abdominals tightened. Carrots! My forehead is beginning to prickle. Onions! You recognize them, then. Rutabaggies! Oh, I like rutabaggies. And cabbage! By now I had visible beads of scalp sweat. By the time she swipes the smoked ham hock across the scanner and holds it up like she's liberty enlightening the world regarding cured meats, my heart is going like hummingbird wings and my skyrocketing blood pressure is causing an incremental protrusion of my eyeballs, an effect similar to those pop-up timers that tell you the turkey is done. At which point, in a voice that can be heard clear back to the deli department, the checkout lady announces, Looks like somebody's making boiled dinner. I wouldn't turn any redder if she pantsed me. It's far worse when I'm buying something dietetically naughty. As a fellow who has been known to run nine miles up the road to Quick Trip at 3 a.m. to score a twin pack of Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies and an extra-large Royal Kona blend... I am deeply grateful to the checkout person who understands that what we have here is the equivalent of a drug buy, and both parties shall honor an implicit commitment to dispassionate efficiency. Omerta on the zebra cakes, as it were. So the the way that's, I still get the sweaty creepies when the checkout people narrate what you're buying. Just please, this is like going to the doctor, man. You just ring it up and send me the bill. And that is our agreement. Uh, As part of the Roughneck Reflection, I would just say, as far as being shy and performing, and a lot of performers will tell you this, and and by the way, when I say performing, man, most of my stuff, like the library or fairly small groups, occasionally I'm up in front of groups of hundreds, but in once 20,000, 22,000 people, which was unbelievable, and I stepped out and they all roared, probably because they thought I was somebody else. Uh, It was a physical wall of sound and emotion. I've never sensed anything like that before. But performers will tell you that, believe it or not, being up on stage, there's no better place to hide than behind a microphone because you're in control. You know the material. Uh, you, You will be the one who decides when this starts and stops. You control the flow. So I always say that really... um, Performing is the perfect passive-aggressive place for shy people. (laughs) There is also, of course, the feel of the audience. There's nothing like sharing a laugh with a theater full of people or sharing silence when you're reflecting on something moving with a theater full of people. And I think probably right now we're all hungrier than ever for that, for not only because we've been cooped up, but just some shared sense of belief, purpose, and feeling. Alrighty, I I just continue to be so grateful to you for tuning into these things. It's just me sitting in this little room over the garage talking into my microphone all by myself like I like it. But I know that you're out there listening and sharing these, and I'm I'm grateful for that. So uh, rather than tell you goodbye, I'll just say what we always say, where I'm from. Well, I suppose. Forward. <laughs>